This podcast is rated IS for incredibly silly and definitely contains bad words, bad jokes, and other bad content that should not be heard by anyone, least of all children. Or maybe it should be. We don't know. We're still not their parents. You're listening to the Starforge Podcast with Saya and Mal, two nerdy humans who still have a lot to say about Star Wars The Old Republic and all its features. Rest assured, the podcast is, as always, working as intended. This is Episode 30, A History of Expats, Part 1, Rise of the Hut Cartel. Hello, SWOTOR players. I am Mal. And I'm Saya. And I'm so excited to be here with you all today and every day because we're evergreen. No, we're not. Today I'm going to talk about my super exciting project that I don't even know if you know I launched yet. Oh, wait. Do you know what my project oh, is? Oh, was it the name generator? Hell yes, it was. So I'm super excited about this project. It's like my love of Star Wars The Old Republic merged with my obsessive need to learn how to code. And so I learned freaking machine learning. I did not think that was something I could actually learn. Like, it's not quite AI. <sighs> it's not quite up there. But machine learning is like a, a definitely a more advanced type of project and and now i can just brag to people and be like oh what'd you do this weekend oh you know i learned taught myself machine learning and created a name generator 15 different name generators focused on star wars the old republic it's so cool i'm so excited about it i thought only machines could learn that no that's why it's called machine learning it's like you went to robot college the robots on the internet can too yeah i went to robot college and i learned machine learning I saw someone post um, one of the generated names was Darth Turtis. <laughs> <laughs> I told them uh, sometimes the machine is more man than machine. What are you going to do? But <laughs> super exciting project. If you guys want to see it, it's at sutterista.com slash names. But now we're, we're not going to talk about what's going on right now. We're going to talk about something that happened in the past. Oh, Saya, let's go back in time to April 2013. All right, today we're, we're going to do a set, a series here for the next couple of episodes. We're going to talk about the history of X-Packs. So we can see maybe how we led up to this historically awful one. In 7.0. Oh, no. Wait a second. Wait a second. We've been wanting to do this even before 7.0 launched. We are big fans of the game. Maybe not a fan of the most recent expansion, but each expansion brought something a little different. And we're going to be talking about those changes over the years. Disappointing other people while flying solo. So... It's April 2013. About a year and a half ago, Swator launched. And now, this is the first big thing. The first big update. Number one. The first big thing about this big thing is that on top of a monthly subscription fee to have access to this X-Pack and all these new things, it cost $19.99. And this is U.S. dollars. I don't know what it was in Canada at the time. Oh, God, even more. That's where I was when it came it, out. This cost cash money, as you say. 2.0 cash money. 
What do you think about that? Cash money. Oh, my God. That would have cost me. Like, I was paying like $17 or $18 per month. Plus, on top of that, it would have been like 25 bucks for the expansion. I had no money. I think I've told this before, but I had trouble like affording basic food necessities and stuff like that at a time. I'd go to the dollar store, get my credit card declined. Uh, and you know what I did? At that time, I just forked out that cash money very happily for the expansion and continued eating that noodle in a cup because that's all I could afford. Um, but at the time, it, it felt really normal to pay for subscriptions and expansions. The idea of true free-to-play games being king was only just really starting to float around. And I think this was something that a lot of players felt as well. They didn't feel like they were having money taken from their pockets. They were excited to buy an additional product at that time for the Rise of the Hut cartel. Right. It was the first one and we were so excited. What are we going to get? So a brief overview of what we were going to get, and we'll talk about it more in depth as we go along. Number one, level cap went from 50 to 55. There was a new planet with a new story, Makeb. I would say that Makeb was at least a couple hours of story content at the time. We were really low level. So going to 50 to 55. One Republic, one Imperial side. So two separate stories. Right. Yes. You're so right. Separate stories for each side. Um, And we were low level, 50 to 55. It was a very different game back then. You really didn't fly through the content like you do now. Um, So do you remember the story on McKeb? And what did you think of it? Right. Because that would have been quite a while from now based on when we played it back in the day when it came out. I assume, uh, Mally, you played it like the day it came mm-hmm. out, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So I remember not really loving the story. It went from this crazy, crazy adventure in the class stories to something about space mining. Um, I actually played the Imperial McKeb storyline way, way later because I was a Republic scum for a long time. <laughs> and I loved it. The ending scene with Darth Maul is incredibly memorable. And the green isotope 5 fuel in the Imperial fleet really stuck around visually for a long time afterwards, too. So I don't actually have a strong feeling about the Republic storyline, but the Imperial one, it's right here in my heart. It's in your heart. It got stuck there. It was lodged there. It was that or in my fuel tank. I haven't quite figured out which. Yeah, the, the story, God, we played it so much because it was the best way to get from 50 to 55, and it was new stuff right. to look at. But the story was really not great. Kind of weird. Huts mining stuff out of this planet. I think they were really trying to figure out what they needed to do with the fact that they could no longer produce eight high-quality class stories. And this is what they this is what they came up with. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, when I go back and play story, I'll do the vanilla story, but I I would not go through all the expansions. I usually skip McKeb. I Yeah, I don't. And when it's time to do dailies, I don't go there. I, I played so much McKeb, so much McKeb, because at one point they were taking away certain McKeb achievements. They were kind of retiring them. And if you completed them during a certain amount of time, you got a special reward. So I like ground them and they were pretty fun. I actually liked them during that time. But same as you, I don't usually return to McKeb, except sometimes. And that's because a new type of quest was added. Well, you know what? I'm going to roll back here because you brought up something about achievements. One of my favorite things in the world, but it wasn't always in the game, was it? Until right now. Oh, yeah. Right now with this X-Pack. 
This is where they got added, right? The whole legacy system, actually. Yes, that is why I always know when this X-Pack dropped, because a lot of my ops achievements are dated April 2013, because that is when the system launched. And for some reason, they could give us credit for the ops we had achieved and heroics we had achieved. But what about everything else we had done in the game to date? Did that count? No, and I remember being so mad about it. I remember being so angry that previous achievements or previous things that you had done did not count. (laughs) At this point in the game, I'd actually been playing for a while and wasn't just kind of floundering around. And I wanted my God-given right to what I had earned in the game. Seven years later, I, I don't think I could even tell you what achievements I was missing out on. I love the legacy system. I think it adds an incredible amount of longevity to the game and really brought to the forefront that this was a game where you were supposed to play and enjoy multiple characters. Right. The hardest part for us was they gave credit for the heroics, but those are so easily repeatable. What's not repeatable is that we, at that point, we had all completed eight class stories. We had killed multiple enemies on all these planets that now had kill achievements tied to them. Flashpoints. For a long time, the only flashpoints you could do were False Emperor and Battle of Ilum. And I don't know how many fucking times we did those in regular and hard mode. You're like, I'm not going back in just to get the achievement. Uh -uh. I still don't have some of those. (laughs) But I know good and God's damn sure I have done them 25 times each in every mode. This is a rage against the machine. Rage against the achievement system. I mean, nine years and maybe we're still not over it. That's okay. I am. I I chase. I chase those. I chase those achievements. I love them. They added something else. They added something else that was really neat with this X-Pack. Oh, yeah, they did. So they added, um, are we talking about something you can do alone or something you can do with friends? I think you could do it both. (laughs) So this is something that they added as an additional thing players could enjoy who weren't necessarily looking for another flashpoint, another operation, another story. And these were called the Seeker Droid and macro binoculars quest and they're actually a really cool storyline for both of these the only downside was you did for both of them need to find a friend or two to complete them or at least one of them you need like a group of four and it's real nasty at the end makes me real cranky at the end yeah but once you've uh, completed that one-time quest for your character you have these additional quests that you can go do these gsi macro binoculars seeker droid quests that were very off the beaten path of star wars the old republic we really hadn't seen anything like them i think they're very hit or miss on whether players like them or not but especially at that time in the game we had so little content having this very different thing to go do was super cool so out of curiosity i know you're an achievement point chaser um Did you ever go get those? Did you go looking for everything with your GSI droids? Yes. Yes. Uh, We did the GSI a lot. Um, And, like, Vaz and I, we loved to find those little droids with our binoculars. It was really kind of a fun game. You know, you can kind of... it's Oh, the achievement system, right? It's stress, right? You can just shoot the shit, run around. Oh, my God, I see it. I see it. Come stand where I'm standing. I found it. The secret droid, though, did I dig up all that gear? Fuck no. I didn't. I want the gear set so bad because I collect armor and there's an achievement for it. But I can't force myself to go dig it up and follow this stupid little circle. Because it's not just fun. I can't do it. It's not, it's not fun. Huge, it's not fun. It may, 
objectively may not have been fun, but this was something that a lot of players really liked because it was something different to go do, especially those players who like those kind of quiet behind the scenes activities that don't require a ton of commitment compared to say a flashpoint or a PVP war zone. It's true. It's true. I mean, I guess if, I don't know, it just seems like it takes so long to dig up all that gear that it almost becomes a waste of time. For me, it was a no. Yeah. But the achievement system, hell yeah. <laughs> and But we're talking about achievements. This expansion also included something that was very high intensity, <laughs> and that was the scum and villainy operation. Mm-hmm. It had a story mode and a hard mode. Did it, did it have nightmare mode at the time? I don't think it had nightmare yet <gasps> at this time. No. I am so sorry. It's not even called nightmare mode anymore. It's called Master Mode now, but back in the day, the very difficult version, there was also, at 55, they added something interesting. They took the older Flashpoints, Hammer Station, Aethys, Katamimu, and Mandalorian Raiders, and they added a Hard Mode version. Um, Sorry, excuse me. uh, Master Mode version? Oh, gosh. The names get really confused between past and present, but they added a more difficult version that was for players who were max level that we still get to play today. So it was very neat that they were going back and also repurposing this older content. Yep. So just imagine a time where there was no uh, no hard mode hammer station. No hard mode spammer station didn't exist. That's really weird to think Isn't about. It? I mean, what, what? You were supposed to go into hammer station at like, what, level 20? I have no idea. Give or take. Remember. And then 15, 20. What what even happened back then if you went in with, with high-level characters? I guess you just wouldn't get anything interesting. Because like you said, you were supposed to go run those higher-level flashpoints, those Ilum and Malgus-related flashpoints. Right, right. Uh, what's interesting about these, though, is that when they raised our level cap, they also raised the level of the operations and the flashpoints. Not like in 6.0, mm-hmm. when you had capped, uncapped, recapped, their cap, my cap. Whose cap? I don't know. What gear do I wear? It was all 55, and it all got scaled to an appropriate way. It was scaled appropriately. And that's kind of how it is right now, right? So in the previous expansion, we had some operations that were level 75, some that were level 70. I don't even know. But now all of them are 80. Just flat 80. You had to be 80 to get in. That's it. And I would think for simplicity's sake, I feel like that makes so much more sense. Like, what do you need to do operations? You need to be level 80. But I actually really liked being able to go into them under leveled, especially for story modes. I'm I'm realizing it's one of my favorite ways to level, and I'm really missing it. Yeah, I agree. I believe at this time you could go into a story mode at level 50. And yeah, it's a great way to level if you like to do operations, kind of. And then you can even get some gear. So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and with with all this stuff they added, they added uh, some other stuff we had never seen before. And what are these type of additions to the game called that make things easier? Quality of life. Quality of life. Let us elevate your quality of life by Rise of the Hut Cartel 1999. So what we got mission terminals on the fleet for flashpoints, war zones, operations. Instead of having to walk your little feet all the way over somewhere. Can you even imagine? Planet. Can you imagine the only places you could get these were like right there where you were doing it? Now there's the thing on the <laughs> fleet. Uh, there was a new tier of gear and set bonuses. 
And uh, they actually changed it up because at the launch of the game, the set bonuses were tied to the shell, the actual armor piece. So I know I know we're going to talk about the mechanics, but can we talk a little bit before that about the player base's reaction to the idea that their hard-earned level 50 gear was now kaput, like it was useless? Did people react as badly back then as they did now? No, because we were excited for new stuff. We were excited for new stuff. That's crazy. I remember there being rage. Was there rage? Rage at every expansion. Well, you know, the thing about the gear back then is that the currencies were pretty simple, right? It was like crystals. There was crystals from doing everything and crystals you got Mm -hmm. from operations. And you could... No, the first ones were like commendations, weren't they? It wasn't crystals. Oh, yeah. Commendation. I don't... God, they changed so much over the years. There's no way to keep track. I know. I feel bad for anyone coming in after like a long break. And you're like, "Ah." but anyway, like from doing regular stuff, you could get a currency that gave you simple gear that was good enough to do anything. And then, you know, there was separate PvP gear. PvP had its own stats. Yeah, expertise. PvP gear, you had to be wearing all expertise gear or you would suck in PvP. And there was no bolster. There is no level sync. There is no bolster. If you are wearing shitty gear, you're just shitty. <laughs> the game is not. <laughs> you're just going to get spooshed. <laughs> you will be punished. <laughs> so, man, I really remember getting wailed on in PvP back then. Oh, man. So you're talking about some of the, the changes to the way the set bonuses work. So set bonuses were tied to the shell. What was funny back then about that? The funny thing about that is that we to wear your set bonus, you had to wear that gear, and that is what you had to look like because there's no outfit designer. None. None of it. If you needed to wear your Kalumi gear, you got to put on that fan hat and those banana gloves, and you're going to like it if you want to be any kind of effective in ops. I thought that was just the best, both the worst and the best, because I loved laughing at my sage friends, having to wear these giant, ridiculous hats, these giant, ridiculous gloves. And then you saw them and you knew they were awesome. You knew that those players had earned their gear. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But they looked ridiculous. So the, the set bonus was then... In Rise of the Hut Cartel, all of a sudden, tied to the armory instead of the shell. What? Since we didn't have the outfit designer back then, it was obnoxious and great to have that change at the same time. We were hella cranky. Like I said, apparently you guys weren't cranky. You were just excited. We were cranky that we had to re-gear, and our old gear we had grinded for was useless. But the ability to really start customizing our end-level characters with less penalties was great so that we could pick a a piece of armor and start modding it out. Right. And I think the cartel market had kind of premiered around this time. So for the first time ever, you could get clothes that looked pretty good. And even at the time crafting, you could craft some stuff. That looked right, really adaptive decent. Sets, adaptive yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, that wasn't out no, yet. That but wasn't you could craft out yet. Light, light, medium, and heavy. Yeah, you could still, you could craft some some things so that you could actually look Modable gear. That's what we called not it back a, then. Not a fan hat. So um, <laughs> you could make mistakes, though, with, with pulling out the armorings, though, because oh, no. I did this. I got an armoring, and I sent it to my gunslinger. I was going to have her RE it because she was cyber tech. But okay. I didn't okay. level her up yet. 
and I, but it let me take the armoring out of the piece. <gasps> but you couldn't put it back in I, because you're too baby. I, it oh, wouldn't no. let me put it back in. Oh, man. And that was a big deal at the time, right? Like, you only got one piece of gear, maybe two pieces oh. of gear in a week. That sucks. I needed to wear it. I needed to wear it for raid, and I had to put in a ticket. Did they help you? Like, yo, can you please just put this armoring back in this gloves? And they said that they couldn't put it back in, but they mailed me a whole nother set of gloves. Oh, that's so sweet. So now I had two armorings. I was like, yes, best day ever. (laughs) So it worked out pretty well. That's great. Um. Customer service in this game has always been so hit or miss. I had similar similar explanations by friends. I accidentally already my gloves or I accidentally got rid of my gloves that I really needed because I'm really sad. My team needs me to be awesome. <laughs> and they they did in the back in the day do that kind of thing. Now it's a lot less necessary. There are more systems in game to help catch you doing idiotic things so you don't do them in the first place. You destroyed your gloves. Fuck you. Just go get fight Nefra and get another pair. <laughs> Why is that so hard? Uh, what what else? Did this bring anything else with it? Yeah, there was a, another interesting change. This expansion brought the first crafting upgrade. Crafting went from 400 to 450, and crafting skills upgrading during the expansions kind of became a staple after that. We've seen it pretty much every expansion except the most recent one, which uh, apparently there is a crafting update somewhere down the road, too. Here's helping, because I am not getting those gold augments. Fuck you. Nope. Mm-mm, not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. Uh, we also got with this some really notable skills that are some of the most like loved and notorious skills in the game, including things right. like... Right. What were some of the ones that we got? Uh, twin Saber Throw, Saber Reflect. That's a big one. Force Barrier. Also big. Uh, the Smuggler and Operative Role. I feel like that's really iconic now for that class. It is. It um, is. Uh, Electronet, that's a good one for commandos, and uh, shoulder cannon. Those really stuck around. Um, I remember at the time thinking shoulder cannon was kind of like a passing fade and and things like Electronet were, but no, they've really stuck through to the end. I don't think any of those have been like deleted from the game since. Some were made kind of redundant. Some weren't really used very much, but all of the ones that Mal was talking about are kind of beloved by players, I guess you could say, which is really cool. They're still in the game. As they're mm-hmm. still in the game to this day. They were added back then, and they're still in the game. And they actually really changed the game. They changed the game a lot, um, especially, I think, the role, the rolling and the force barrier. That was a big, right. big change. Extra movement and extra major defenses mm-hmm. really does change things, yeah. especially if you're playing, like, PvP or anything that's a little more active, like the, the higher-end operations. Right, exactly. So... All of this for $19.99. This is what we got. And from what I remember, it worked. And there wasn't anything too broken or unbalanced. Not that I recall. I don't recall having like a a hard time. I do know that back then I was not as a active community member i was kind of playing in my own bubble and with my guild so if there was anything majorly broken i'm not sure i would even know compared to today where i'd be very very aware of it right so kind of a strong x-pack oh we also got uh to Boros courtyard right 
Oh, yeah, which we apparently played the hell out of last expansion so badly that we never need to step foot in there again. Mm -mm. Nope, and and they killed it. Uh, so nobody nobody goes there. Nobody goes to Deboro's <laughs> Snooze Fest. No more TC. Anymore. So that's even additional, a lair boss on top of all that. That's a lot. Right. That's a lot to get. And SNV, SNV was fun. SNV has some good fights. It's very long. So if someone told you guaranteed, if someone told you guaranteed in the next expansion, if you paid 20 bucks, you would get a guaranteed Story in both factions, lair boss, operation, crafting, and weird little side quests that hadn't existed before. Would you pay that 20 bucks? I know I would. I don't know. Knowing what I know, I'm not sure. I might wait and see how it goes. I would definitely. We're going to get into this in the next episode, but if there was anything like (laughs) early access or anything like that. Hell no. I would not give them my $20 until I knew how things were shaking out. So for those of you who are listening, especially on YouTube, uh, did you have a chance to play Rise of the Hot Cartel when it came out? And how did you feel about it when it came out? We'd love to hear and post in the comments. Yep. And uh, Saya, do you have uh, have any news for us in the present day and time? You heard it here last If you're listening to this episode when it came out, the GRI event will be running until July 5th if you wanted to go get your GRI tokens. The last day of Galactic Seasons is technically July 5th, but you'll want to have everything you want finished up by July 4th, 4th of July. And the update 7.1 at the time of recording this is still shooting for mid-summer targeted by the developers. We are seeing the newest operation on the test server and they have been making updates and changes to it. And the newest boss is also available to test in veteran mode, Lady Dominique. That sounds awesome. So that's all we have for this part. Stay tuned next week. We're going to talk about the next text pack. See you all later. See you later. Shadow of Revan coming your way. You've been listening to the Starforge podcast with Saya and Mal. We know you have your choice of podcasts and you chose the right one. New episodes drop every Friday on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Sotheresa's YouTube channel, and just about every other podcast platform in existence. For show notes, pictures, and other information, visit starforgepodcast.com. Hit us up on Twitter at StarforgeCast. We love hearing from you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Yep, we're going to build the... Starforge Podcast, VX, VF, VFX. No, not VFX, SFX. The Are we Starforge doing- <laughs> Podcast, SFX Sound Lab. Are we starting visual effects too? No, it's because we're so good. Me. We're so good at the SFX. We don't even need to try anymore. We have a full yeah. library already. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, let's go.